You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we will be discussing sex. I am your host, Ashley Parrish. I'm joined by my co-host, Jessica Pfeiffer. Hi. And Dr. Ken Wilgus. You know, I got to tell you, I don't like the way I say hi. Every <laughs> Can we Is it me? This I sound weird. So <clears throat> I don't know what to say except, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Here. So, here. Yeah. Present. present. Please say present. Thank you. Thank you. Here. Today's episode will be for mature audiences. So if you have your children around, hit the pause button and listen to it whenever you're alone. This will contain mature content. We are discussing sex today. So pause it if you need to and listen to it when you have some time alone. So Ashley, I've been doing a little market research on this topic, which also means only that I asked my kids. Yes. Um, (laughs) Very small sample size. Very small three-person sample size on this topic um, about what they think parents should know about sex and teenagers and most commonly answered in that question was parents think that their kids don't know anything and they know a lot more than they, than they think they do. Mm. Um, so parents are pretty naive as to what their kids are really exposed to, what they understand, what they know. And, um, I hope that we can talk to each other and kind of make each other aware of, of what our kids really need to be hearing from us and what they're really aware of. I'm sure your market research went a little bit better than mine because I asked my oldest, um, similar questions and she replied that she didn't like hearing the word sex come out of my mouth (laughs) so I told her I would refer to it as Netflix and chill because that is slang that's a code I didn't know that it is Netflix and chill so I asked her I said does that mean you like come over and watch a movie and then have sex and she said no it means my parents aren't home come over and have sex so that means that if, if you get a text that says, let's have intercourse, that means, well, I want to watch a Netflix movie. <laughs> I guess. There's a good series on TV. Code for, yeah, yeah. What if you really just want to watch a movie? <laughs> There's no way, to, no way to say that. It's impossible. Literally watch a movie. <laughs> so, and your daughter is a lot younger than, well, we have the same age on the, the lower end of our teens is 13. Right. Um and so, you know, what is the window of opportunity here? Because I feel like if my kids are already telling me I'm not naive right. uh, and they're 13, um, then I, I must have missed a window of opportunity there or to some degree. Um, what what do we need to say to our kids before that age? How early is too early? Um, Dr. Ken, what would you yeah. say as far as like our preteens, um, even late elementary, what should we be talking to them about and how should we be approaching the subject with them? Yeah, because, you know, this is a podcast about raising adolescents, so we don't really get into the details of what you really should be doing, should have been doing during childhood. But one of those is that you need to have already been talking about sex with your children their whole life. And and I mean, that may surprise you, but, you know, the topic, the uh, bumping into media about it, uh, a billboard that was one on the way to church for my kid for years, it had this pretty sexy looking photo on it. Uh, it's up there, it's in their life, and when it presents itself, uh, you should have already been talking on an age-appropriate level about what sex is about. So little kids, 
you know, get told things like, well, when a mommy and daddy love each other and they hold each other in a special way, you know, in a, in a very child appropriate way. But the idea of for so many parents when they have teenagers is I have this kind of innocent child and I hope to not have them experience any of this nasty sex stuff for as long as possible. I think that's what Jessica, your daughter was getting at is that that's a mistake because they Mm -hmm. already are aware. And so you really should have been kind of talking about this in some ways uh, all their life uh, Mm -hmm. as it comes up. Uh, So, you know, the time is, is always now the, the difference is do you, what changes do you make once they're adolescents? And I think there's significant changes in the way you talk to them about it. So should have been Mm -hmm. doing it already, uh, Mm -hmm. but now you need to crank it up. Mm-hmm. Well, and my kids were all uh, saying that they knew about sex, either from their father and I, uh, or a lot of stuff that goes on in classrooms from about third to fifth grade. They really pretty much knew all the the physical details of sex. And so there was nothing new after that. So I think by the time the, t- the teacher or the school approaches the subject, your kid ought to know because you've lost your opportunity to be the first one to share it with them. Right. Right. And, you know, what's really important, though, is that and far be it for me to contradict your kids, but they know when they say that we already know all about it, what they mean is that they're aware of Mm -hmm. sexual intercourse and and other actions. But uh, no, they don't know anything about sex. This culture is so incredibly ignorant about sex. And what I mean by that is ignorant about what is it for? What can I expect from it as a human? What is Mm -hmm. it actually? How does it work? Uh, we've never, in my opinion, lived in such an ignorant time. I'll just give you one example. Uh, as you may know, boys and even young men send girls uh, photos of themselves, their sort of private parts, to excite mm-hmm. the girl. They actually think she'll kind of want to see that. No, no, <laughs> no girl wants to receive that. But here's, but if that's not stupid enough. Several girls, out of obligation, I don't want to be rude, will send a photo of herself back. No, 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 no. That you know, that's just ignorance mm-hmm, of right. what it, what effect does my body have on the opposite sex, and mm-hmm. what is this whole thing about? So, you know, when they say, "Oh, I already know all about it," no, they don't. They Mm-mm. usually know pornography is a right. big, you know, kind of a, uh, educator. So they kind of know, but they don't know, and you really have to do your work in trying to help them to really understand a thing that they think, ah, I already got it. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. I said that exact thing to my daughter this morning when we were discussing it. And I said, you don't know what you don't know. And until you've experienced it and had a lot more living, you don't know what you've uh, missed and things that that you don't understand. She looked at me like, whatever, mom, you still think I'm naive. (laughs) But I said, but I said, until you, until you've experienced more life, you just don't understand all of it, how, and how it works and your effect on boys, your effect, you know, the way that sex works with, with adults. That's a hard message to hear. I I don't know that that would have gone over very well. She wasn't excited (laughs) to hear it. I didn't do a good job (laughs) on that one, but (laughs) Well, Dr. Ken, I think parents want to say the right words to ensure celibacy certainty. Is <laughs> that possible? Certainty. Yeah. That, I've never even heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're not going to get that. You, that's not your goal. You know, the, the goal of, of 
what we want to accomplish with our kids. I think celibacy certainty sounds, again, like a kind of innocence goal. I just right. hope they'll, you know, arrive at their honeymoon going, we're going to do what? And and that that's just <laughs> dumb. So I'll give you an example. So, I, I uh, you know, purity rings was a thing, a bigger thing when my kids were growing up. And I gave both my daughters purity ring. And I told them that this is not from your mother's and my perspective, a symbol of your uh, good behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. What we hope it is, is a commitment that you have to uh, obeying Jesus in your sexual life so that um, whatever happens that you will be committed to that because if you're committed to just displaying, look at me, I'm better than you, then you're just going to arrive at your honeymoon uh, a virgin and proud of yourself. And that's mm-hmm. not really a goal. So anytime we try to take sexual uh, purity, the goal that is part of our faith, and we take it out of the faith context and, and just say, well, you know, we just it's better for you, whether it's a God thing or not, it almost always falls flat that way. It's really a very uh, poor way to do it. You have to really keep the connection to why do we think this is important? Because Uh, The revelation from the one true God has always said that this is how humans uh, are made to uh, interact with each other. And it is in a lifelong connection with one other person your whole life. Mm -hmm. Well, I was part of that generation and had the same experience as far as having a ring, promise ring um, for my father. I have chosen not to do that with my own kids. Just a few hangups, particularly after marriage, about um, my sexuality. But I think that a parent wants to assure that their kids understand, um, you know, the reasons for having sex or just not just not getting pregnant or not having STDs. But there is there is an issue there with submitting your sexuality to God. And I think that that's important to encourage our kids in and, and to talk about with our kids that everything, if you're a believer, should be submitted to God, including your sexuality. And so how do we do that as a parent from, you know, what's a what's an age appropriate way to do that with a 13 year old? How do we talk about that? Well, you know, I, I think, yeah, starting at 13, I think one of the big differences, and, you know, we talk about this every podcast, is that you want to start really talking to this person like the young adult that they are. And a 13-year-old is a very young adult. But, again, never forget, you know, 200 years ago, a 13-year-old could be getting married. So um, it's important to start talking about um, sex in, in a, a little bit less teachy way and a little more adult to adult I think one of the common themes that needs to change is starting to talk about that, you know, the limits that we're going to have for you. You can't have a girlfriend or boyfriend in your bedroom. Uh, with, I, by the way, don't recommend even if the door's open. But, mm-hmm. but the point, you know, or you can't, the reason that we don't want you going over to your girlfriend's house when her parents are not there is because of sex. <laughs> um, and, and they're always like, ooh, I'm not going to have sex. You know, I think you're probably right, but – There's a familiarity that grows, affection, Mm -hmm. whatever. I always like to point out, you know, I'm not going over to a woman's house without anybody else there Mm -hmm. uh, because sex is this fire that can burn all of us adults. Mm -hmm. It is something we all need to be careful about. So our uh, expectations, what we're trying to help you with, always making sure they know that we can't make sure you don't do this, but we're trying to help, is this powerful force that 
uh, is absolutely a part of our lives as adults. And now that you're part of us, it's it's a thing we all struggle with. It's not uh, your mother and my little rule, and we want you to be good. That is not. It, you have to mu- go much deeper than that in talking about it. Mm-hmm. What about scaring them, Dr. Ken? Can we scare our teenagers <laughs> yeah. into abstinence? Yeah. <laughs> Do we show them uh, pictures of STDs? Is that okay? Yeah, it's, it's always you want to. You want me to send you that picture of the diseased <laughs> uterus? PowerPoint. Don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, fear is always such a great day. motivator. You know, it. It, it really. You know, actually, it really comes down to. You know, sex is a kind of intimacy, and if you really want to educate someone, you have to have an intimate relationship with that person. You have to. It really depends hugely on who's doing the talking. And if you're a parent that doesn't know this kid very well or has always been pretty distant or uh, has never been vulnerable in any way in front of your kid, you're going to start, you know, several uh, strikes down already. So if you have a good relationship with this uh, teenager, they know you're sincere, uh, then uh, you don't have to use fear. Uh, it's it's the 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 least effective. However, uh, a parent who really is sincere and does talk about the things that you fear, uh, that can be, you know, have a lot more impact. The worst is some parent that I don't even know who you are. You're a new step parent, for example, or my mother's new boyfriend. And you're trying to tell me about sex. I don't even know who you are. Um, that And being scary, that's just dumb. But again, you get back to what is our goal? And I, I've always felt like, a, you know, for Christian teenagers to be taught primarily to avoid disease and pregnancy, you know, I, th- I think that's missing some. That's not our mm-hmm. primary goal. Right. Uh, and so uh, I know it's tempting, but no, fear is not terribly helpful. Um, it is it is absolutely about uh, trying to keep their eyes on the goal and not always warning them about what happens if you fall off the wagon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, I know some of us come up from all of this with regrets about our choices, um, and we want to uh, warn our kids in some ways about don't do this. There's an emotional consequence when you give yourself away to multiple people that um, that you can't ever get that um, those things back. You, you've lost something there. You've you've given parts of you away. So how do we approach that without saying too much about our own experience? And and should we reveal? you know, fully about our own experience. Would that be healthy? Would it not yeah, be? Yeah. Let's review that. I did. I think I said this in another podcast, but I want to keep going over this. Mm-hmm. The answer to, did you have sex before you married? Same thing as, did you do drugs? Whatever. The mm-hmm. answer is, and write this down, you know, if I thought it would help you, I would tell you everything I did, but I don't think it will help you to know all that. Just just so you'll know, I am not coming at this from a position of complete success. I have had my own struggles. That's plenty. The reason we need to write that down is that those of you out there that did approach marriage as a virgin, if you tell them, well, yeah, no, nope, I never did, then the rest of us look bad. So <laughs> don't do that. Everyone mm-hmm. answer the same, and that way we're covered. But there'll be two of you out there that are proud of yourself and you'll just go, I didn't do it. Well, that's, you know, again, we have a, a, a standard that says that if a man looks upon a woman to lust, he has already committed adultery with her. So let, let's cut the pride part back a tad, everybody. It's mm-hmm. uh, nobody's winning with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So but here's the other thing. And I think it's really important what you just said, Jessica, is that that's the that, that thing about the emotional cost is is 
probably one of the core issues that our culture is incredibly ignorant about. I don't have time to get into this, but you know, the sexual revolution, which happened during my lifetime, was supposed to rid our uh, culture of these hangups. You got to be married, and you got to have children. You know, it's, it, it, there was actually a whole period of of actual movement that hey, we should have free love. If it feels good, do it. This is like a philosophy. But the goal of that was supposed to be that then sex would be uh, kind of put in its rightful place as just one of the natural drives, and that that way you won't have to exploit women. There won't be need for pornography because it'll just be normal. Well. Mm-hmm. As you might know, uh, the cult, the uh, sexual revolution was a complete disaster and, and has absolutely been a failure in that sexual intimacy is a is an emotional connection. You know, whatever Paul meant, the Apostle Paul, when he said that, you know, do you not know that you have you're joined to that woman? You know, that's pretty deep stuff. Like, mm-hmm. wow, turns out he's right. And I think that's one of the main things that Christian parents should be talking to their children is that there is a connection and and sexual intimacy is a sacred thing that is actually a calling back to Genesis 2. You know, like like God made one human. I'm already going way deep here. This is not good. He made one human (laughs) and that human's whole purpose was to image God. And God says, this ain't good. And, and remember, the man doesn't go, I'm lonely. That's ridiculous. You're not lonely when you have unbroken fellowship with the living God. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days with no food or water. He was fine. Thank you. It's God <laughs> goes, if it says, you know, a human alone doesn't image me. Let me fix this. And he basically splits the man into two, a male and a female human. And their loving interaction is a, a better image of God that was both his, you know, uh, triune nature, but also eventually points to the incredible mystery of Jesus and us. He's our our husband and the church is the bridegroom. Anyway, that makes sexual intimacy a kind of a, a, a weird dance that is a recalling of that sacred unity. Well, that is not something that you do when you're drunk in college uh, with someone you just met in a bar mm-hmm. and, and, and not because you shouldn't but because it is damaging. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll tell you who's damaged, and you know this, you know who loses all the time with this? It's women. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls uh, just, first of all, they don't want to get real sexual. It's not their goal. They're always following the boy's lead. I can't tell you how many girls, um, you know, they'll say, t- well, we, we did some sexting. And I'm like, wow, you forced that boyfriend of yours into sexting? And she's like, well, no, it wasn't me. I said, yeah, he let it, didn't he? Well, yeah. Did you want to? Um, well, you know, she's she's always in the passenger seat. It's not her idea. They go along. Uh, girls um, are cooperative. It doesn't mean they never want to, but uh, intimacy is what a girl wants. The mm-hmm. sexual act isn't the essential element of it like it is for boys. And I've just talked to so many wounded girls uh, just because of what you said, uh, Jessica, this is your fault, Jessica, for saying that about <laughs> just sent me off a rant. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's her. Sure. This isn't working. This mm-hmm. goal of, you know, we should just kind of have recreational sex with people we like. It will injure you. It will hurt your soul. And you should strive to not do it at all or or at the very least seek repentance and get back to 
clarity as much as you can for um, because that's what sex is made for. Right. I wish that I would have had these type of conversations with my grandparents growing up because it was more like this was our talk. If you have sex, you will go to hell. If you have sex mm. before marriage, you will go to hell. Period. <laughs> End of story. And <laughs> so I'm message. trying to do clear. I, yeah. It, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, it was very cut and dry. But I'm the type of kiddo I was and I still am. You know, like I, I want to know why. But why? Yeah. And and I wish that I would have known what you just said, Dr. Ken, about how. Um, you give a piece of yourself away, like Jessica was saying also. Um, so what about then, Dr. Ken, we talked about true love weights, but I mean, does that, does that work? Because I have friends who are doing this with their teenage girls as they're, they're growing up and they make it, um, very elaborate. They rent a hotel room, they take their daughter, they take her out to eat, they get flowers. The dad shows up with this ring and it's like this huge ceremony. And I haven't done that with mine. And so am I just ensuring that mine are just going to gallivant off and have sex as soon as they can? Are they doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Yeah. (laughs) If you didn't get the hotel room and the flowers, then it's all over. You know, I, I, I didn't even know they were doing all that. Um, Okay, so a couple of things. Um, First of all, it's your grandparents' reaction. That is why the sexual revolution took off, because young people had good questions. Why are we doing this? And at that time, the church did not have an answer. Uh, And and actually, it did, but we didn't know it until we really found, uh, I I think one of the great insights is Pope John Paul II's what's called Theology of the Body. That's an absolute deep dive into what Scripture really tells us about the expression of God in our bodies, even in our sexual uh, expression. So um, now we have a much better answer. Um, and I think, it is, you're, like you're saying, the content of what you're doing is the most important. So having an elaborate ceremony, uh, I certainly don't want to uh, discourage anyone from that. But I would be very careful about what is the reality of this ceremony, like if it's this elaborate, is a big thing actually happening in their life or not? Uh, Because, you know, to have a real statement about this whole point of your purity and so forth, that's then followed by, you know, almost no discussion, um, you know, uh, awkwardness when your new boyfriend comes over and there's nothing to follow up with it then I would be actually concerned it may have backfired that you made a big deal out of something that you did couldn't back it up with years of adult to adult discussion. So mm-hmm. I think it's more important to not you just can't think that the ceremony itself is going to make uh, this huge difference. I think the big difference is what does that ceremony symbolize? And I frankly have a bit of a problem with how much we make out of girls responsibility to remain pure uh, and less about real discussion uh, another element that our culture is, is confused on is that boys need to be taught to take care of girls and mm-hmm. help them to maintain the um, purity, really the value of their body and their sexuality. Uh, even if a girl doesn't treat herself that way, a Christian boy owes that to her to teach her that uh, what is happening to her physically is a beautiful thing. It is not a cheap thing. Uh, and and I, I don't know that we, I, I'll be honest, I don't know how well I taught my son that. I was big on the make sure you talk to your daughters. And 
uh, you know, I, I definitely talked to my son about his own purity, but not about how to really uh, honor all the girls around you. Uh, as the Bible says, they're, they're all your sisters. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I did that. And I think that sort of starts in a non-sexual way with, you know, if you have a son explaining to him to take care of his sisters, you know, to make sure that they're, they're protected, that they're, that they're safe, that that is part of, that is part of his nature to want to protect and to encourage that. And to take care of that girl that he said is in his uh, junior high and she's a slut. That's your yes. sister. You do not talk about her like that. I don't mm-hmm. care if she says it. Uh, you, you know, it's, it is worth honor uh, mm-hmm. because this is what we know is true uh, about ourselves, even if our culture tells us something different. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've even seen uh, posters or pictures of women who are very scantily clad and said to my son, Hey, you know, that's somebody's daughter, that's someone's sister. And just reminded him that that's a human being. Um, And her choices um, to display herself that way um, should be protected by the men in her life who love her, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's, that's just not really, I mean, that's so out of date sounding, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. but it is in fact uh, true. It's just reality. Mm Mm-hmm. So the topic of teens and sexuality has a lot of details that we didn't get to finish this week. We'll carry on next week. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.